Chapter Twelve of the Royal Book of Oz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain and is read by Mark Smith of Simpsonville, South Carolina. The Royal Book of Oz, by Ruth Plumley Thompson, Chapter Twelve: Dorothy and Sir Hokus Come to Fix City. The afternoon went pleasantly for the three travellers. The road was wide and shady and really seemed a bit familiar. Dorothy rode comfortably on the cowardly lion's back, and to pass the time told Sir Hokus all about Oz. He was particularly interested in the scarecrow. "'Gramercy! He should be knighted!' he exclaimed, slapping his knee, as Dorothy told how the clever straw man had helped outwit the Gnome King when that wicked little rascal had tried to keep them prisoners in his underground kingdom. "'But go to! Where is the gallant man now?' The knight sobered quickly. May happen need of a strong arm, may happen at the mercy of some terrible monster. Oh, I hope not, cried Dorothy, dismayed at so dark a picture. Why, oh, why did he bother about his family tree? Trust the scarecrow to take care of himself, said the cowardly lion in a gruff voice. Nevertheless, he quickened his steps. The sooner we reach the Emerald City, the sooner we'll know where he is. The country through which they were passing was beautiful, but quite deserted. About five o'clock they came to a clear little stream, and after Dorothy and Sir Hokus had washed their faces, and the cowardly lion had taken a little plunge, they all felt refreshed. Later they came to a fine pear orchard, and as no one was about, they helped themselves generously. The more Dorothy and the cowardly lion saw of Sir Hokus, the fonder of him they grew. He was so kind-hearted and so polite. "'He'll be great company for us back in the Emerald City,' whispered the cowardly lion, as the knight went off to get Dorothy a drink from a little spring. "'That is, if he forgets this gramercy bludgeon stuff.' "'I think it sounds lovely,' said Dorothy, "'and he's remembering more of it all the time. But I wonder why there are no people here.' I do hope we meet some before night. But no person did they meet. As it grew darker, Sir Hokus's armour began to creak in a quite frightful manner. Armour is not meant for walking, and the poor knight was stiff and tired, but he made no complaint. "'Need oiling, don't you?' asked the cowardly lion, peering anxiously at him through the gloom. "'Joints in my armour a bit rusty.' puffed Sir Hokus, easing one foot and then the other. "'Ah, had I a good horse!' He expressively waved a piece of the giant's button at which he had been nibbling. "'Better climb up behind Dorothy,' advised the cowardly lion, but Sir Hokus shook his head, for he knew the lion was tired, too. "'I'll manage famously. This very night I may find me a steed.' "'Ho!' asked the lion with a yawn. If I sleep beneath these trees, I may have a nightmare, <laughs> chuckled Sir Hokus triumphantly. <laughs> roared the cowardly lion while Dorothy clapped her hands. But they were not to sleep beneath the trees after all, for a sudden turn in the road brought them right to the gates of another city. They knew it must be a city because a huge lighted sign hung over the gate. Fixed City, read Dorothy. What a funny name! Maybe they can fix us up, 
rumbled the lion, winking at Sir Hokus. "'Perchance we shall hear news of the valiant Scarecrow,' cried the knight, and limping forward he thumped on the gate with his mailed fist. Dorothy and the cowardly lion pressed close behind him, and waited impatiently for someone to open the gate. A bell rang loud back in the town. The next instant the gates flew open so suddenly that the three adventurers were flung violently on their faces. "'Out upon them!' blustered Sir Hokus, getting up stiffly and running to help Dorothy. "'What way is this to welcome strangers?' He pulled the little girl hastily to her feet. Then they all ran forward, for the gates were swinging shut again. It was almost as light as day, for lanterns were everywhere, but strangely enough they seemed to dart about like huge fireflies, and Dorothy ducked involuntarily as a red one bobbed down almost in her face. Then she gasped in real earnest, and caught hold of Sir Hokus. "'Hood's daggers!' wheezed the knight. Two large bushes were running down the path, and right in front of Dorothy the larger caught the smaller, and began pulling out its leaves. "'Leave off! Leave off!' screamed the little bush. "'That's what I'm doing,' said the big bush, savagely. "'There won't be a leaf on when I get through with you.' "'Unhand him, villain!' cried Sir Hokus, waving his sword at the large bush. The two bushes looked up in surprise, and when they saw Dorothy, the cowardly lion, and Sir Hokus, they fell into each other's branches and burst into the most uproarious laughter." "'My dear Magnolia, this is rich. Oh, dear fellow, wait till Sit sees this. He will be convulsed!' <laughs> Quite forgetting their furious quarrel, the two went rollicking down the path together, stopping every few minutes to look back and laugh at the three strangers. "'Is this usual?' asked Sir Hokus, looking quite dazed. I never heard of bushes talking or running around, but I confess I'm a few centuries behind times. Neither did I, exclaimed Dorothy. But then, almost anything's likely to happen in Oz. If these lanterns don't look out, something will happen. I'll break them to bits, growled the cowardly lion, who had been dodging half a dozen at once. How would we look out? sniffed one, flying at Dorothy. "'You could light out, <laughs> or go out,' giggled the little girl. "'We never go out unless we're put out,' cried another, but as the cowardly lion made a few springs, they flew high into the air and began talking indignantly among themselves. By this time the three had become accustomed to the changing lights. "'I wonder where the people are,' said Dorothy, peering down a wide avenue. "'There don't seem to be any houses.' Oh, look! Three tables set for dinner with the most appetizing viands were walking jauntily down the street, talking fluent China. There must be people, cried Dorothy. One dinner for each of us, rumbled the cowardly lion, licking his chops. Come on! Perchance they will invite us. If we follow the dinners, we'll come to the diners, said Sir Hokus mildly. "'Right, as usual!' The cowardly lion looked embarrassed, for he had intended pouncing on the tables without further ceremony. "'Hush! Let's go quietly. If they hear us, they may run and upset the dishes,' warned Dorothy. 
so the three walked softly after the dinner-tables, their curiosity about the people of Fix growing keener at every step. Several chairs, a sofa, and a clothes-tree rushed past them, but as Dorothy said later to Ozma, after talking bushes, nothing surprised them. The tables turned the corner at the end of the avenue three abreast, and the sight that greeted Dorothy and her comrades was strange indeed. Down each side of a long street, as far as they could see, stood rows and rows of people. Each one was in the exact centre of a chalked circle, and they were so still that Dorothy thought they must be statues. But no sooner had the three tables made their appearance than bells began ringing furiously all up and down the street, and dinner-tables and chairs came running from every direction. All the inhabitants of Fix City looked alike. They had large, round heads, broad, placid faces, double chins, and no waists whatever. Their feet were flat and about three times as long as the longest you have ever seen. The women wore plain Mother Hubbard dresses and straw sailor hats, and the men gingham suits. While the three friends were observing all this, the tables had been taking their places. One stopped before each fix, and the chairs, after much bumping and quarrelling, placed themselves properly. At a signal from the fix in the centre, the whole company sat down without so much as moving their feet. Dorothy, Sir Hokus, and the Cowardly Lion had been too interested to speak, but at this minute a whole flock of the mischievous lanterns clustered over their heads, and at the sudden blare of light the whole street stopped eating and stared. "'Oh!' cried the fix nearest them, pointing with his fork. "'Look at the runabouts!' "'This way, please! This way, please!' "'Don't bark your shins. Don't take any more steps than you can help!' boomed an important voice from the middle of the street. So down the centre marched the three, feeling, as the cowardly lion put it, exactly like a circus. "'Stop! Names, please!' The fix next to the 